This is Victoria Jane. You might have seen me on TV in famous children's shows. I'm appearing as Beauty in Beauty and the Beast, the Crescent Theatre's pantomime this Christmas. I wish all of the little stars of Dogsthorpe Infant School and all of their families a very, very happy Christmas and a safe new year. If you come to see me at the Crescent, please give us all a massive wave. And always remember, be kind, be respectful, and dream, believe, and shine. Okay, Eddie, start the countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. You're listening to Launchpad, the Dogthorpe Infant School podcast. Welcome back to Launchpad, another Christmas edition, and I am delighted to have my next guest on the show. His name is John Divine, or Johnny D, to all of his friends, and you would have heard his dulcet tones if you listened to BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. He's one of their roving reporters. Johnny, it's lovely to have you on the show. Hello, Dave, and hello to the Dogsthorpe Infant School children and parents and teachers and everyone, really. Always a joy to go to Dogsthorpe Infant School. Super. And it's always lovely to see you and all of our friends from BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. You do fantastic work in the community. You make a lot of lonely people smile. There are people who live out on our fens who sometimes only have the radio to listen to. I know that for a fact from my last job. So you do fantastic work. Please give all of our regards to all of our friends at BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. Now, let's talk about you now. Have you always lived in Cambridgeshire? No, I was born Romford, Essex way. Not actually in the centre of Romford, if anyone knows that area. It was a place called Ingraborn, which was like a little suburb on the outskirts of Romford. But I suppose it's part of East London now, but my parents were, well, East London, my dad was Hackworth. And uh, my mum was Stepney, so all that sort of East End area, really. So uh, lived there until I was about eight. And my dad was a builder, and he was always buying land when he could. He ended up running his own company, Divine Builders and Sons, because I've got three older brothers as well. And all, all of those are roped into the building industry. And me being the youngest one, somehow, Dave, I escaped all that. I missed out on that, back then, really. And he ended up buying a bit of land in Sutton Gold, which, if anyone knows, is between Chatteris and Ely. And it really is out in the middle of nowhere, really. And a complete shock for me as an eight-year-old to go down there. I've been lived in a pretty residential area, really, where there's a shop nearby and all that. Well, in Sutton Gold, there's nothing, really. And I've always got fond memories of my dad taking me on a first trip down to Sutton Gold to see the new place, which was an old farm, a bit dilapidated. And he got two acres of land with it for the princely sum of 2,000 quid in 1969. Big, like, four-bedroom farmhouse. Right. But driving down the little road leads down to this, this property. And I said to him, oh, Dad, I think someone's had some rabbits escape from their house or their back garden because there's all rabbits running around. I wasn't used to the concept of rabbits running around on the road that were actually wild. The early rabbits I knew, people had in cages and gave them carrots and cabbage and lettuce and stuff, you know, so that was a bit of an eye-opener. Enormous fun as a child down at Sutton Gold because I mentioned my three older brothers. They sort of got into the music, which 
later on developed into me getting the band with them, you know, and they were into the music of their day that, again, I got to sample through their ears, if you like. You know, my eldest brother, right. who's actually 10 years older than me exactly. It's a bit of a quirk. Both, both born on the 10th of June, him 1951, me 1961. Wow. So uh, evidently he came home from school as a 10-year-old on his birthday and said to my mum, what have you got me for my present? And she pointed to me in the pram. He's in there. And it was me, you see. <laughs> so but my brother Will, who's the old, you know, 10 years older, he was into all the Beatles and stuff. So this is all how I got into the Beatles and the Who and the Rolling Stones at such a young age, I suppose, because I was getting it through him. So come to Sutton Goal, age eight or nine in 1969, and then been in this area and Cambridgeshire as a whole ever since. Got married to my missus in 1980 and had them, and then had two children who were into the music as well, so it's all nice. And then moved to March in Finland in 2001, and been here ever since. What can you remember about your early days at school? Well, I remember the school, Ingraborne Primary School, and I can remember being as a youngster going to that school and thoroughly enjoying it, loving it. And, you know, subsequently moving to Cambridgeshire and getting Sutton Primary School, it was absolutely the time of your life. I mean, I loved the younger school more than going to the bigger school. I think what shocked me, I think, a little bit is the magnitude of the big school, which turned out to be Witchford Village College. But yeah. such a huge sort of explosion of so many people, so many corridors and rooms combined and all that. Whereas the Sutton Primary School, you know, which is the one, obviously the one made Sutton Gold. But I've got lovely fond memories of things like yeah. the milk crate, being the milk monitor, <laughs> yeah. and having the milk coming around. Yeah. And uh, sometimes having English lessons outside and on a sunny day, the teacher would take you outside and read, but you'd be on the grass, feeling the grass under your hands and stuff. And, under the shade of a tree, or oh, it was lovely, you know, for that. Quite like sport, playing football, music. I don't know if we did, I, I mean, I can remember musical movement, doing that sort of stuff. I remember being in a school production where I had to dress up as a rabbit. I can't exactly remember what it was, but there was three or four of us, and the picture still exists somewhere of me in a rabbit. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell it's a rabbit costume because we were just standing up. They never said all oh, crouched down like a rabbit. We were sort of just standing up on a normal human position. But we had big ears on, and this sort of suit that had a little fluffy tail on it. You know, it wasn't very imaginative, but I can remember that sort of stuff. And musical movement is the like. And the teachers, of course, are really nice. And this time of year, bringing them a little gift. Always love bringing gifts for the teachers, you know, they're always considered as yeah. like the, the auntie or uncle we didn't have. They're always yeah. very nice teachers. Yeah. Didn't they have any bad teachers? I can't remember. No. At the moment, because of the pandemic, it, it has had to change a little, and we can't yeah. do the things that that we used to do. You know, like the nativity, we're having to do that online, um, and they, we can't get the, all the parents together, and we can't all sing the carols together around the Christmas tree. You know, we no. we've lost a lot until until we can get rid of this terrible virus. We we have yeah. lost a lot, but it is important, isn't it, to have those memories? And I'm I'm hoping. Well, I know for a fact we are. We're building our children that are at the school now. We're building memories that they're going to treasure in, when they get to the age that we are now. And I hope that you know they'll say, "Here, do you remember that little dog and the man who came in and taught us the song about the little dog?" You know, he's yes. he's um, he's listeners. I know you can't see him, but he's joined us. He's sitting on his seat. Um, oh, I can see Eddie. Yeah, there's Eddie. Eddie. And uh, <laughs> hello, Eddie. <laughs> 
that's he he listeners you i know you can't because it's an audio but he's eddie's got yeah. his own chair with his own microphone and he's sitting yeah. there on his he's sitting there on his chair now and uh he's he's just at his tea so he, chances are he'll go to sleep johnny so sorry about that don't see that no. as a reflection on your story but he always no, has no, a don't, sleep after tea don't say sorry for bringing eddie into it because it's always a joy to see eddie <laughs> he's, really... he's a he's a lovely dog isn't he um he's fantastic your love of music um, I mean, you you very kindly wrote uh, um, Eddie's song, and um, we often feature it on the, on the podcast. Um, you're a very gifted songwriter. Where did that love of music come from? I know you mentioned about your love for the Beatles, but where did you learn to play the musical instruments? Well, that was another... It's got a Beatles connection, if you like, because uh, these three elder brothers I've got to kick off, the oldest one, who's 10 years older than me exactly, for some reason, or other, I don't know why, he turns up one day, um, I'm about 12, and he's got himself a guitar. So he's got the Play in a Day book, I think it's by, and who's the famous guy with the Play in a Day book? I'm trying to think of it was now. It's a guitar teacher. Uh, Bert Whedon? Bert, Bert Whedon's Bert Play in a Day, well done. He's got this guitar, see, so... Of course, I'm already into all the Beatles tunes by now because he's got all the albums and I've heard those since I was very small. My dad, just luckily for me, like he's an East End builder. That's what he started out as, a carpenter and all that sort of stuff. And I don't know why, but he bought himself an organ. He liked, always liked organ music. So he bought himself an organ that's like, got two keyboards and stuff with it and some foot pedals as well. Hammond organ, I think it was called, probably. But what came with it was, which interested me, it came with two sort of A4 sheets that showed you all the chord patterns of the organ and where to put your fingers to make each chord. Now, because I like the Beatles so much, I thought, you know, a bit like strumming the guitar and playing chords yeah. and singing along with it. Yeah. Well, someone like Paul McCartney, really, all he ever does is really play, plays his chords and sings over the top, but it makes a nice, pleasing sound. So I thought to myself, I'll make myself a little um, task I want to try and learn every chord there is. So there's a lot of chords, of course. You know, your Fs, your F-sharp yeah. minors, your G major sevenths, your yeah. C minor sevenths, your B-flat minor sevenths, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Your diminished chords, a lot to take on. But I somehow managed to do it all right. And then, of course, I could plonk away to my heart's content. This is probably aged about 12, I'd say myself. Playing Beatles tunes, like Let It Be, say, C to G to A minor to F. It's very simple, not much to it at all, I really say. So we very soon formed a little sort of family band because the other brother got a drum kit. We're living down Sutton Gold. He bought a drum kit. Funny enough, it came from March, second-hand drum kit. And I was the one that started playing the drums then because I originally made, this time of year, Dave, you'll get your uh, sweeties in a tin sometimes, you know, chocolates yeah. in a tin. I used to take, you know, empty all the chocolates out and put about five or six layers of cling film on there and uh, put elastic bands to hold the cling film tight. And I'd get some uh, Menum's knitting needles and turn them around. And, hey, presto, you made a little impromptu drum kit. See? And I thought, oh, I quite like this. So my brothers sort of bought this drum kit second hand. But I couldn't really go on with it very well. So the other brother went to them, um, Michael, the sort of third oldest one. He started playing them. So we sort of made a little band up. So that's how it all started, sort of thing, really. And then very early on, as a unit of three or four of us, we'd say, 
we'll try and write a song ourselves. You know, we're aware of how these groups did it, that they just fiddle around with these chords and see if they can get any sort of tune up that's not been done already, you know. Started a band called Colonel Gomez. And we got the name because um, we had a doctor in Romford, and we lived up that way, and he was called Dr. Gomez. And when we formed this band, for some reason, we thought of calling ourselves Dr. Gomez. But at the time, there was Dr. Feelgood, Dr. Hook and the Medicine Show. Yeah. Doc, there's a few doctor bands. You see? Yeah, we thought, yeah, oh, we won't do doctor there. Yeah. We'll choose another occupation or some sort of title. Yeah. I went through them all, you know, Major Gomez, no. Uh, Corporal Gomez, no. Captain Gomez, no. Colonel Gomez, all that sounds all right for some reason. We'll do Colonel Gomez. So we formed that band um, when I was 15, 14, 15. We did our first gig by going around the school, which was Richford Village College, and asking people to come and see this free concert. We did it down Sutton Gold in the Scout Hut. You know, so I'm aged about 15, I suppose. And that's when we did our very first gig as this band. But the band ended up being on the Old Grey Whistle Test in the end. Right. After many years, that was 1995. Wow. We was on the Old Grey Whistle Test. And then from that, we got gigs with people like Motorhead, which of course was nice for us yeah. to play a gig with someone like Lemmy from Motorhead and he was really nice to us and yeah. had seen us on whistle tests and said, oh yeah, nice yeah. to meet you and all that. And, it was, and he yeah. let me put his bass in the case and I thought, oh, that's nice. That's a memory I won't forget. You know? Lovely. We, we got a May ball booking and the guy that booked us on the committee, he didn't book us personally, but he was on the committee, was one Prince Edward. That was a strange occasion, you know, to go and, and these things, these May balls sort of last all night, I don't know if you know about them at all, but they last, you know, from yeah. seven in the evening till probably eight the next morning. And all these very well-to-do students are there yeah. uh, with all their tuxedos on, their ball gowns and all that. And it's all free champagne and canapes and caviar and all that. You know, it's very, very, very uh, exclusive, you know. And, of course, we got booked for several of these gigs and you're playing with sort of famous people, and it's a bit weird. We, yeah. we were living in Haddam at that time. And again, I, I was about, I don't know how old it was, uh, 20, 20, 22, and you're thinking, oh, looks like Paul, oh, it is Paul Daniels, you know, over there, yeah. you know, and it's Ackerbilk, and it is Ackerbilk. You're thinking, this is very weird. What are we doing here? Yeah. All these people, you know. But a lot of the good ones actually were in Peterborough. Got lots of memories of Peterborough right. being a right. hot spot to play at. And they're all gone now, these places, I think. But one particular favourite of ours was in um, Gladstone Street. Right. The Gladstone Arms. Uh-huh. Being a sort of young band from Haddam and going to Gladstone Street was, you thought you were in Delhi or somewhere. It was yeah. so fantastic yeah. to go there and all the multicultural people, you know, it was just like you could <clears throat> pinch yourself and didn't know where you were exactly because it was fantastic really. You know, all yeah. the all different people you'd meet and the same with doing gigs at American Air Bases. Right. Which you get us strange for us, you know, going to Lake Neath and um, Mildon and all that sort of thing for, for American servicemen. And we didn't realise this. When you went to those places, you had to change your money over into dollars and cents. And again, for that evening, you thought, well, I mean, whatever state you want in America, I can pretend I'm in California tonight because they're all speaking American. Yeah. We've got American items for sale there and it's American money in your hand. And you think this is a bit of a weird thing. You're a very much loved man in the county. Um, because of the work you do and the music you share. Uh, and I know that you, you're greatly loved in March. Your 60th birthday party was actually in the Market Square. It was a nice surprise yeah. for you, wasn't it? That was a big surprise, that was. I didn't expect anything. Um, 
obviously my missus kept it from me very well because she sort of organised it all along my back. Yeah. And I thought to myself, they might do something. I'm not sure because um, probably, I can't remember if it was about a year, it might be more than a year since the lockdown, I've worked from home here for a sort of a whole year, more or less. And uh, on, I think it was, um, it might be day 100 of lockdown or something like that, some landmark day, Jeremy Salas and the guys at Radio Cambridgeshire had organised for a brass band to turn up on my doorstep <laughs> just to celebrate the 100th day, you know. Yeah. And that was a weird day. Because, yeah. um, you know, I didn't know anything was going to happen. Yeah. But to tell you the truth, my wife didn't know either, so neither right. was new. Right. And we were on air, you know, with the headphones on. Yeah. And all of a sudden I could hear this noise, you know, it was nice sound. And I thought, what is that? It's, it sounds like a brass band, but it, it sounds live. It doesn't sound like it's taped or anything. And I peered out the window and, of course, there's all these people. Yeah. It wasn't the summertime. Yeah. And they had, of course, they were all, all socially distanced. And I think I think five of them turned up because of that's. It was only a, only a six gathering was allowed, I think. Right. Um, but that was a, a big surprise. And of course, yeah. from the 60th birthday, which obviously now I'm 60 now, so it was only my last birthday mm. at the 60th. And they had this idea of doing an outside broadcast from March. And I thought, oh, that's a bit fishy. But it seems to be a legitimate reason because they do sometimes do outside broadcasts. So they're doing the next one on our show is they're going to sew them near Ely and Middleport and all that. They say to me, we're coming over to March. And they've got a few little jobs lined up for me to make it seem genuine. And, of course, we did a few things in the morning. And then, of course, these people started turning up. And I sort of twigged something was going on on the back brass band. <laughs> but uh, it was, I was a lovely surprise. And I was very touched, really, to have all those people making such a fuss and turning up. And I had a lady approach me on that very day who said, I just want to say thank you for what you've done. And I thought, oh, isn't it, isn't it nice? She's yeah. happy birthday. I don't know, she know who I'm even, really. But she yeah. knows me from a voice. Yeah. And, um, you know, that happens quite yeah. a bit. That you meet someone on the street, you know, and yeah. they'll say, oh, I recognise your voice. And it's nice for me because you think sometimes you do wonder how many people listen to the radio. And you think, oh, is it, you know, as many as we think or is it less or what, you know. Mm. But when you get people saying, oh, I know your voice. I know who are you now. Ah, oh, I know you're on the radio. You know, it's quite nice, really. So that is the thing about local radio, and that's why I, I'm hoping the BBC will always, the BBC as a corporation. I'm not talking about the actual local radio station now. I'm talking about the big BBC. Um, yeah. I hope they always hang on to the local, the local thing because it does bring great joy to people who who are at home and they see you all as friends. You know that yeah. that that distinctive voice of yours, Johnny, is a, is a voice that that makes people feel like they've got a friend in you. Yeah, and, and family as well. It feels like a family. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. So that's why the BBC must keep the local network. I know money is tight, and everybody mm-hmm. don't know where things are going. I know they've already you've already had to in regions had to face cutbacks, but um, mm-hmm. I do hope they hang on to that local that local thing, Johnny. Thank you for joining us today and That's being a lot. part of Launchpad. Um, you are a dear friend to the to the school and to the county. Uh, so, on behalf of everybody at Dogsorp, thank you for all you do. A very merry Christmas to you. Have a great time, a great rest, and know that um, if any time you're passing Central Avenue at Dogsorp, pop in. Yeah. And we'll always welcome our dear friend back. And if Eddie's, oh. if you go on a Friday, Eddie will be waiting for you. Sadly, our Christmas episode has come to an end. Eddie. 
the Dogsthorpe Infant School Wellbeing Dog wishes you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Tune in again soon when Eddie's Launchpad will be waiting to take you and your children on another exciting learning journey to dream, believe and shine. His name is Eddie Edster, he's a well-being dog And he's here at Dog Soap School He's such a little cutie, wagging his tail And the kids all think he's cool He makes them feel safe, he's great for mental health He gives them confidence from his very self not talking about money, but he brings so much wealth. He's Eddie Edstar, the well-being dog. His name is Eddie Edstar, he's the well-being dog. And he loves Christmas time. Lazing round the home, chewing on a bone. Eddie thinks it's fine. The children will be looking out for Santa Claus. But also giving high fives to Eddie's paws Let's all thank Eddie with great applause It's Eddie Edstar, the well-being dog It's Eddie Edstar, the well-being dog It's Eddie Edstar, the well-being is brought to you by Eddie Edster, the Dogsthorpe Infant School Wellbeing Dog, bringing hugs, paw shakes and high fives. This Cavalier King Charles Spaniel helps our stars to dream, believe, shine.